0: Let us pray together. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Father, I pray that you cast aside every distraction at this time. And I pray as you transition to your word, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We look to you, God, at this time. Speak to us, for we are hungry and desperate, for we are listening, for we are here to, are here to hear your voice, oh God. We love you. We thank you. Pray all these things in your precious Son. Jesus Christ, and I pray, and God's people pray. Amen and amen. Hello, everyone. Today is May 10th. Uh, we are... In the second week of May, and we are finally here, and we are on part nine of our Philippians series. And the title today is called, How to Live in His Presence. How to Live in His Presence. For God's presence, His presence is heaven. So now with that, let's start with, our, with today's scripture. Found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. It says this the title says, Final Exhortations. With verse 4, it begins with Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7. With this message, I have three points for us. And before we begin our point, please add the, add the phrase, to all, meaning to everyone, to all. Beginning with number one is this, to all, your rejoicing must be evident Your rejoicing must be evident, meaning you must rejoice for everyone to see. Let's go with verse 4. Verse 4 tells us this. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. In this part with the phrase, with the word rejoice, with this phrase, it uses the phrase within the Lord. It's not just finding joy within myself, with who I am, with my own strength. But our rejoicing, our joy, comes in the Lord always. And Paul says it again. He says, I will say it again. Rejoice. This is somewhat odd that a grown man will tell a community, the Philippi church, the church of Philippi, to rejoice. Rejoicing in the Lord as Christians is the domain, is a sphere in which our joy exists. Without the Lord, without God being the center of our lives, Him being the sphere of our lives, the domain in our lives in which our joy will not exist. Rejoicing in the Lord is the domain in which our joy exists as Christians. Without Christ, there is no such thing as true joy. Our inner joy does not need to match our outside situation. I'll say that again. Our inner joy in the Lord does not need to match the outside situation that is happening around us. We rejoice no matter what. Even when things are good, even when things are bad, even when things are mediocre, we rejoice no matter what. As Christians, we are continually rejoicing. Why? Because it depends in Christ. It's found in Jesus Christ. We rejoice for Jesus Christ will never leave us nor forsake us. Therefore, in trials... We rejoice on. We remember in verse 1 and 2. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice. Going off of Wednesday's lesson. we says, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It is a safeguard for you. Now here is the truth in trials. In trials, we understand according to John chapter 3, verse 30, that he must become greater and I must become less. And we learn from our previous message that this is how we rejoice on, that God becomes greater and I become less. It is not I become less with my works and my accomplishments, and then, God, you become greater. Instead, it is God, you become big, so big to the point where I become small. He must become my everything to my soul, my nefesh, to the core of all that I am. And in that process, the final work of the cross with the final work of the cross, the death and the resurrection, I become less. Within point number one, I have four sub points for us. But in point one, I'm only gonna talk about three. And the fourth sub point, I'm gonna bring it back again in our main third point. So right now, let's focus on three. Letter A is this, trouble is standard. Trouble is standard. Matthew 5.45 tells us that he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. This is what we went over this past Wednesday for our Wednesday Bible study. That if we're in a place of struggling right now, there was a reminder to us that we praise him for trouble is standard. As a child of God, we will have our ups, our shares of ups and downs. But do not forget the words of Jesus found in John 16, that in this world you will have trouble. In this world you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Letter B, misery is optional. Misery is optional. To stay miserable is our choice. It's a choice that we make. The decision to stay bitter or to get better is our choice. It depends on us. Therefore, make a decision today that as you draw your strength from the Holy Spirit to overcome your misery, to get out of our misery, to get out of our misery is simple. It requires us submitting to God, just as we learned this past Wednesday, it requires us submitting to God with a decision plus the decision of our will to want to get out of our misery. The question is, do you even want to get out of your misery? If you do this submit to God, you will get out. It's optional. It's your choice. So let us choose right now to leave our misery as a psalmist declared in Psalm 42 and 43. It says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Again, misery is optional. Let us see. Rejoicing is a choice. To have joy is a choice that you make. When we trust in Jesus Christ, we have joy overflowing. It's easy to be bitter. It's easy to stay down. It's easy to stay miserable. But it's easier to stay joyful as a Christian. It is. As a Christian, it's easy to stay joyful. It's easier to rejoice. When we have the right perspective, and what is the right perspective? The right perspective is Christ's perspective, submitting to Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two to three, he says this, he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning a shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Consider Jesus Christ who endures such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We rejoice, and that's a choice that we make today. We rejoice by looking at the author and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy is set before us. For the joy was with him as he endured the cross, scorning a shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider Jesus Christ who endures such opposition from sinners so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Again, going back to our main our main verse. Verse 4. Rejoice in who? In the Lord. Always. Always. Not sometimes. Not when I want to. Not when I feel like it. I will say it again. Rejoice rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. For in the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, our joy and our rejoicing will be made complete. It will be full. But until then, yes, we will have our shares of ups and downs as Christians. But until then, let us remain joyful. Continue to rejoice in the Lord. Again, letter D, I'm going to share it in point number three. So let's wait for that. But let's go to our second point. Our point number two is this. To all, your gentleness must be evident. Again, this is the core of today's message. Gentleness, it must be evident in our lives. Let's take a look at verse 5. Paul says, he continues on, he says in verse 5, Let your gentleness be evident to who? To some." to your family, to people that are close to you. No, it must be evident to all, everywhere, anywhere you go. You go for a cup of coffee, you go uh, go to have have a meal at a restaurant, anywhere you go, to your coworkers, to your classmates, to your professors, to your teachers, to your siblings, to all, to your parents, to all, the Lord is near. So let's have an understanding of what the word gentle means here. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Does that mean that we just practice just speaking gentle, very nice, sweet? Is that what it's saying? Let's look at the Greek word epiakis or epiakes. The word definition of gentle, gentleness, It means sensibleness, it means reasonableness, it means fairness. It's a suffix, ness, the the suffix for ness, it turns an adjective into a noun. Meaning the suffix ness, it talks about the condition or the quality or the state of that description. So boldness, kindness, goodness, gentleness, it's the quality of being gentle. And the question is, do we have the quality of FBA guests? FBA geese. again, it means gentleness. It's talking about kindness. It's talking about reasonableness. It's talking about sensibleness, fair mindedness, charitableness. As Christians, we are FBA guests. We are FBA The world says revenge, fight back, eye for an eye. But as Christians, we are not quick to seek revenge or quick to attack. That's why it tells us in Romans 12, 19, that do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. That's why it says, if we're going back to a few chapters before in Philippians chapter 2, in verse 5, it reminds us again that in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, the mindset, the mentality as Jesus Christ. And what was the mindset of Jesus Christ? Isaiah 53, verse 7, it reminds us, it tells us, it's a prophecy that was told that he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He was not quick to fight back and to attack even when he was being wronged. The gentleness of Jesus Christ was evident for all to see, for all throughout history transcends time. His gentleness was made an example for us to follow. Therefore, as Christians, our gentleness must be evident to all, to every individual, for people to witness. As Christians, we're not easily brought down to anger. We handle disagreements and difficulties as mature Christians, as mature believers in Jesus Christ. So many people, especially Christians, they get involved in lawsuits over nothing. Christians fighting against each other. Churches divided with each other. Members fighting within each other. Gossiping with each other. Against each other. We must set good examples for the world to see. Remember the previous verses before. that I plead with Yodia and plead with Sintacea. To be of the same mind. We talked about the mind last week. For unity. For the body of Christ. By law they had the right to fight. We don't know what that was. But for them they had a reason to be upset with one another. Yodia and Sintache. somehow they got into a disagreement. There was a fight among these two. A disagreement among these two. And Paul The question that Paul asks is, why? It's like us right now, within our churches, within our region, churches fighting against each other, churches going around, going through lawsuits with the presbytery. Why? I remember I once said in a meeting, in a presbytery meeting, with elders coming and yelling and fighting against each other, it's like something that you see in with politics and TV, where they're fighting. And I remember one time, this Korean guy, they even made a meme, and he like flipped this guy, and like in Korea, don't mess, don't mess with the Korean politician because they know judo. And you see that crazy, crazy things. You witness crazy things. I remember sitting there as a pastor, thinking, "Whoa, this is pretty nuts. This is out of control." I remember we the sports in the past, people would get into fist fights and. Like, don't touch my brother. They, like, literally, like, it was, a, it, was a, it was a gang fight that happened. We had to, like, stop everybody. And we see that people are divided, fighting against each other. And the question is, why? And as Christians, the real question is, is as Christians, is what we're doing glorifying God? Are my actions glorifying God? Am I glorifying God with my life, with my gentleness? Is my life, is it gentle? Is my gentleness evident for all to see? If God was not Epiakes, we would be doomed. If God judged us according to his perfect law and he was not Epiakes, the whole world would be doomed for all of eternity Away from him. But praise God for his epiakes, for his kindness, for his charitableness, for his sensibleness, for his reasonableness, for his kindness, for his fair mindedness. Praise God for his gentleness, for his love. And during this pandemic, you know, there are a lot of people getting laid off and Businesses are being shut down. People are not being able to pay rent. Some landlords, they're uh, giving uh, half rent for the tenants, for the business owners who are under a lease, under a business. And they're very kind landlords and owners. But they're also very evil ones who, I heard a story where these landlords, they're uh, the the, the husband is the pastor, the wife, and they do ministry, and they're the owners, and they're making them, even the, even in the, the lease, it says, if you don't pay it on time, we could even hire a lawyer, and you have to pay for it, and, and, and we're going to take you to court, and no epiakas whatsoever. And we see that even Christians, they're not following the life, the example of Jesus Christ. If God is epiakas, then we too must be gentle. We must be reasonable. We must be kind. We must be fair. We must be charitable. We must be patient. When provoked, approaching it with humility and gentleness, always ready to forgive. Yes, by law, yes, you may win. Yes, by law, you have the right. But as Christians, we must not always just because it's, it's right by the law, does not mean it is morally right. You must be merciful, we must be patient, we must be gentle. Why? Because by law, by God's perfect law, if you were to see us with not epigues, with gentleness, if you were to see us with this perfect law, we would all be doomed for all of eternity, away from him again, like I said, as I mentioned earlier. As Christians, we must approach others. We must approach our brothers and sisters. Not just people within the church, but people who are outside with fairness and with empathy. Therefore, going over point number two again. Your gentleness must be evident. Verse five reminds us again, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is Going to point number three. Point number three tells us this. To all, your peace must be evident. Your peace must be evident. Let's look at verse 6 to 7. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Verse 7 tells us, And the peace of God For true peace belongs to God alone, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul here is telling us, do not be anxious about anything. Is that even possible? to not be anxious about anything. Ronnie, is it possible to not be anxious about anything? Wow, okay. Fake answer, but good. Yes, it is possible, according to the words of Paul. If we let it, there is anxiety everywhere. There is germophobia, tropophobia, all these phobia, these things that we we're afraid of in the show Better Call Saul, the brother Chuck, he has the fear of electromagnetic hypersensitivity he's not even able to go outside to get mail we have all this anxiety all these things that bombard us that attack us and we have anxiety everywhere we see anxiety everywhere however paul here is reminding us he is challenging us to turn our worries into prayers to turn our worries into prayers. When we start to worry, when we start to worry, when we start to have anxiety come over us, I want to remind you of these two letters. Initialism. PP. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, PP? Say, do you have to? No, I'm kidding. PP. What does PP stand for? It stands for pause, and it stands for pray. You pause and you pray. In every situation, in every situation, whenever you feel yourself, where you feel that anxiety is coming over you, especially for those who struggle with anxiety, you approach every situation through prayer, with prayer. And the question is, what type of prayer? What type of prayer is important? And the answer that I'm going to give you, the answer is, is Thanksgiving prayer. Turn to your neighbor and say, Thanksgiving prayer. Thanksgiving prayer. Thanksgiving prayer. Let's look at Jonah, chapter 2. And it says this. It's a prayer that Jonah made inside the belly of the fish. So inside the fish, it says in verse 1, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I mean, this is pretty scary. Imagine yourself like underwater inside the belly of a fish. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, uh, my biggest fear is to be in the middle of the ocean with nothing around me, with like a tube and uh, imagining all the fishes and all the creatures that live under me and just you have no control. And that's my biggest fear. Being inside the belly of the fish, you could just imagine the fear of Jonah here in my distress and his anxiety. I call to the Lord from the depths of the grave. I call for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep. Let's continue. Verse 4. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Though engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O oh Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with the song of thanksgiving, I'll say it again, verse 9. But I, With a song of thanksgiving, the translation says, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah unto dry land. What type of prayer? Thanksgiving prayer. Thanksgiving prayer, having a thanksgiving heart, praise before God. That's why it says in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to what? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Thankful. Thankful prayer to God. Prayer of thanksgiving is key in the midst of our hopeless situations. That's the key to peace, peace that transcends understanding that that comes from God. When we are thankful in our circumstances, when we are thankful in our prayers, in the midst of our depression and anxiety, it shows us that as Christians, that we are mature Christians, that we continue to hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what, no matter what. Going over verse 6 to 7 again. Do not be anxious about anything. But in prayer and petition, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, again, for true peace belongs to God and Him alone, which transcends understanding. What does that mean, transcends understanding? It's beyond your understanding. You have joy. You can't describe it, for it comes from God. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As Christians, you must place thanksgiving above hopelessness. And I know that's hard to say, especially for those who are broken from their past, from their past situations, or who come from broken families, broken situations, or maybe your present situation is broken right now. You're undergoing a tremendous trial, and you're full of anxiety. But the key is we must place thanksgiving above hopelessness. We should always place thanksgiving above hopelessness. That is the key. As Christians, we continue on. No excuses. As Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane, the weight of the world, the weight of everything that he had to do, was so heavy upon him that as he was praying, that he was sweating blood, blood came pouring. He was being pressed like an olive press. As Jesus continued on at the Garden of Gethsemane, on the road to Calvary, to the cross, to his death, as Christians, we continue on as well. There is always a reason to be bitter. Endless list to complain about, to not be thankful for. To not be thankful for something. There's always a reason for us to stay bitter. There's always a reason to complain. But here is the truth people who complain will always have a reason to complain. But people who give thanks will always have a reason to be thankful. It's a habit, it's a mindset, it's a lifestyle. And you must get in that cycle of that mentality. Be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. Be thankful. Thankful prayer before God. pee pause, pray, pause, pray, pause, pray. And the peace of God which transcends understanding will come upon you in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that transcends understanding. Philippians 2, 14, 15 says, Do everything without complaining or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and deprived generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Everything without complaining or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. We're living in a depraved generation where everyone is looking out for themselves. Everyone is full of themselves. They're full of pride, full of greed, looking out for what they want, arguing, complaining. They're full of complaints to God, to with each other, to their situation. They gossip about their their boss. They, 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 They cause division within their work, within the church. We argue with our members, with our brothers and our sisters. As Christians, we must become blameless and pure. Children of God, don't forget, you are a child of God. For you are living in a crooked and a depraved generation. It doesn't mean that we pursue and continue living as a crooked individual. Yes, without God, we are sinful beings. And we are lost, doomed for all of eternity in hell. But praise God for his grace and for his peace. Colossians 3.23 Whatever you do, whatever you do, whether you are cleaning poop, whether you are cleaning the toilet, whether you are mopping the floor, whether you are putting the chairs away, whether you are setting up the food, whether you are buying coffee for your friends, for your church, for anyone, for whatever you are doing, when you are paying for a meal, whatever you are doing, whatever you do, when you are giving rides, whatever you do, or when you are receiving rides, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. All not some all your heart. Why? It says here in twenty three, Colossians three, twenty three, as working for the Lord and not for men. It's because you are an employee of God. We are stewards of his works, of his things, of his blessings work at it as working for the Lord and not for men. Colossians 3.23 Don't forget that. Remember point number one I mentioned four sub points but I only gave you three. Do you guys remember them? What was letter A? Trouble is standard. Letter B was misery is Optional. Letter C was rejoicing is a choice. To have joy is a choice that we make. It's easy to be bitter. It's easy to stay down. It's easy to stay miserable. But it's even easier to stay joyful in Christ. For rejoicing, joy belongs to God. And letter D is peace is guaranteed. This ties with point number three. Your peace must be evident. Again, what's the letter D? Peace is guaranteed. As Christians, our peace is always guaranteed in Jesus Christ. All we must do is ask for the peace of God that transcends our understanding. With what? How? We talked about P.P., We talked about what type of prayer? Thanksgiving prayer. It says with prayer and petition, with Thanksgiving, present your request to God and it will be guaranteed to us. It says, the peace of God is everything. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. John 14, verse 27. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. John 20, 21. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Not anxiety, not greed, not pride. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, again, unity from last week, you were called to peace. And, and what? And be thankful. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 7. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. John 16, verse 33. Now going back to our last passage, found in verse 6 to 7, found in our last point, point number 3, it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I'll say it again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is different from the peace that we find in this world. It's different than the world. The world's peace is fleeting. The world's joy is fleeting. They're all temporary things. Positive thinking, avoiding conflict at all costs, it does not work. Only true peace can come from our Father in heaven. It comes from the Lord. It comes from Him and Him alone. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving presenting our request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus closing with this passage found in 1 John chapter 4 verse 4 it's also found in our bracelets, the ones that we wore during missions. And 1 John 4:4 tells us this, that you, dear children, remember you are a child of God, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. It's reminding us, the Holy Spirit that is within us, Jesus Christ who is with us is greater and stronger than all the temptations and all the anxiety and all the attack of this life. True peace comes from the Lord. If you could all close your eyes with me at this time. Remembering our points from today, with a message how to live in his presence to all number one your rejoicing must be evident you must rejoice verse four rejoice in the lord always i'll say it again rejoice number two your gentleness must be evident This is the core of who we are as Christians. Verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And number 3, your peace must be evident. To all, your peace must be evident. Verse 6-7, to do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now with our eyes closed, let us take this time to pray together. Let us pray together, let us pray. rejoicing evident? Is your gentleness evident? Is your peace evident for all to see? For we do not live for the audience of people, but for the audience of one. Look to him and seek his face. know for you belong to him Rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, we lay everything at your feet. Lord, we turn to you with our petition and with our prayers, with thanksgiving. We ask for the peace of God that is beyond our human understanding to come upon us. Help us to rejoice in you. Help us to find peace, peace overflowing that is found in Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that the words today will take root in our hearts so that God will be victorious. Not barely surviving, barely crawling, but we will look to you, Jesus, at this time. Strengthen us. Strengthen our church. Strengthen your body. We love you. We thank you. Pray all these things in your precious Son. Jesus Christ, I pray, and God's people pray, amen and amen.